Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Changing the Game with Social Selling, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Yes, indeed. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the game changers, oh, I always promise and you're in the right place and you are. Let's see what the buzz is today. I found a quote that everybody thinks is from Albert Einstein, but it's not really. It's William Bruce Cameron, but it doesn't matter. It's a great quote. Listen up. Not everything that can be counted counts, and not everything that counts can be counted just put that all together. So what are we talking about today? Well, this series is about social selling. So if you are your company's designated bean counter, that's an old CPA term. You remember the guys counting the numbers in the basement with the green eye shades and the little lamp? Well, if you're the bean counter in this age of social selling, you may say, ah, finally, when you learn that there is something called standardization of digital performance metrics, meaning there's one way to do the counting. Why is this important? Standardized metrics will at last let you measure the business impact of all digital selling performance across your whole company. Now, if you've listened to this series over the past four years, yes, Kirsten Boylow, thank you. She keeps coming back and renewing, and we love this topic. If you've listened, you know that the the way it's supposed to be done is everybody should be part of the social selling effort in your company, not just the sales team. So you've got a lot to measure. So what's the importance of standardizing the metrics? Well, you can give timely feedback to reinforce what's working. Aha, that's the good part versus what's working not so much. Can it be improved or eliminated? That's what you need to know. Stable measurement processes will also level the playing field for your marketing dollars. You know, the ads you're buying, the space you're taking, and your influencer campaigns. So if you're sitting there saying, wow, I didn't know we had standardized digital metrics, we do. So how can you get started? Well, I have three experts on the panel today who are going to help you figure this out. Let me tell you briefly who they are, and then we'll get started. First up, it will be my pleasure in a minute to introduce Scott Santucci, S-A-N-T-U-C-C-I, if you want to look him up. He's the chairman and president of the Social Enablement Society, and he's, I love this title, Scott, Chief Growth Catalyst at Growth Enablement Ecosystems. Joining Scott on the panel... Mark Hunter, he cleverly goes by the name of the Sales Hunter. I love that. He's the author, author of a couple of best-selling books, including High Profit Prospecting and High Profit Selling. And we're going to learn a lot from Mark as well. And rounding out the panel is a returning panelist, Marco Kai, Global Head of Social Selling Training and Enablement at SAP. So welcome to my three very busy and esteemed panelists, and thanks for taking time to join me. Scott Santucci has sent us a quote from Leonardo da Vinci. It's a popular quote. We hear it all the time, and I think it applies very beautifully to today's show. The quote is, simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. Scott Santucci, how have you been? I've been great. Thank you very much, Bonnie, and uh the theme or the quote ties into what we're talking about here because, boy, who are we making things simple for? We have a, a whole bunch of people and a support team behind our sales force and behind our customers, each trying to add value, and we keep hearing from salespeople and customers make it simple, but the 30 or 40 people creating things for salespeople make things simple for themselves, and then ultimately it makes things complicated for our customers. So 
the, the whole idea of making things simple is actually really, really hard. And it's one of those paradoxes of life. So I think that's one of the things that we'll be talking about is how do we make social selling simple for our customers and our salespeople? Absolutely. And, and Scott, let's go back to just a minute or two ago when I mentioned in my opening that social selling is supposed to be something everybody in the company is responsible for or contributes to. So I guess my question, uh, not to belabor it, but the question is, how do you simplify the rules, the mantra, the guidelines? If everybody's supposed to do it, how do you make it simple enough that everybody gets what they're supposed to be doing so it will benefit the company and come back in good metrics. Any quick thoughts on that? Sure. There's uh, three simple categories. So category number one is I personally don't like the whole term social selling. I think what it does is uh, dictate or um, make it much more intimidating. Uh, The reality is sales is social. It's always been social from the, um, from the Babylons who first created cuneiform to help, sell beer to each other. We've always been social. The things that have changed is technology. So I think what, we, what would be very valuable is for us to take an inventory of all of the exploding ways that we can now communicate with our customers and use that. So that's step number one is how do we frame it. Step number two then is think about what it is that we're trying to communicate with our customers. Uh, our salespeople have a, a lot to communicate. So if you're in a complex sell, Today, you have many, many stakeholders involved. Some of the role of uh, social selling or some of the role of the salesperson is to get the internal stakeholders on board. And that's really, really difficult. And it's an opportunity to leverage technology for a salesperson to get a lot more leverage if you think of it that way. If we think of it as just some way to promote stuff and get people to click on things, then it's not. And it gets, it gets too complicated. And then I think the third, uh, the third part is this is where the balancing act of that simplicity thing kicks in, the more specific you are uh, as a salesperson and the more structured and the more you build an architecture, the easier it is to orchestrate uh, it. And the way that I, I think about that is if you have a whole bunch of people playing a bunch of different instruments, today to customers mm-hmm. it sounds like noise. Uh, what we need is sheet music, just like, uh, just like Beethoven had sheet music to make these beautiful uh, beautiful symphonies, uh, we need to be able to create sheet music for our salespeople to coordinate all those messages over a complex sales journey. Thank you very much. Again, simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. Thank you, Scott. Appreciate that. And now let's move mm-hmm. on to our second panelist, Mark Hunter, the sales hunter. Mark, I love the way you turned your last name into part of your branding. I think that's very clever. I'm sure you hear that all the time. And Mark has sent us a wonderful quote. We love this one from Forrest Gump. Anybody too young to remember 1994 American drama film based on the 1986 novel of the same name by Winston Groom and the stars were Tom. Tom Hanks in the title role, Robert, Robin Wright, Gary Sinise, Mylecky Williamson, and Sally Field was even in it. And let me just read the quote. I think it will come back in memory to everyone. My mom always said life was like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Mark, sorry about the accent there. Welcome, Mark Hunter. How are you? Good, and I think you do that pretty well. So you did a good Forrest Gump. Not bad. In fact, you really recalled a number of moments about that movie that I had totally forgotten about. 
But you know oh, what? My, my pleasure. By the way, I'm living in the South now, so I think I picked up a little bit of the local accent, Mark. So that, that may be part of it. I'm around people with accents all the time. Mark, tell me, how did you pick this quote? I, every, you know, I'm a chocoholic, so every time the word chocolate comes up on the radio, I'm, I'm smiling extra. So tell me, how does this apply? We're talking about, well, we're talking about measuring. We're talking about social selling or just selling, as many people say it's going to be called in the next few years. So what's your thought? Yeah, well, there's a couple things. First of all, if you can't have fun in life, there is no reason to live. So that that's the way I approach each day. Second piece is, and I really pick up on what Scott said, it's keeping it simple. Uh, we have a tendency to overcomplicate things. But along the way, we have to be prepared that, you know what, stuff just doesn't always happen the way we think it's going to happen. And it's, you know, it is like a box of chocolates. You never know what's going to unfold each day. But to me, that's what makes life exciting. That's what makes sales exciting. That's what makes social media exciting. Because you never know what's, what's there with the next click, what's, what's, there with, what's there with the next thing. So I, I, I want to embrace each day with as really as much fun. And, and uh, so to speak, what, what I want to do is I want to live life where I, I can influence and impact others. And in the same way, others will influence and impact me. You might say I just kind of live a Forrest Gump life. Oh, I like that, Mark. I really do. I have a question for you. Uh, we were talking today about standardized metric, me- standardized measurements, digital measure- measurements, digital selling. And my question is, is a company supposed to measure what they do wrong as well as what they do right? And I mentioned in my opening that it gives an opportunity for whoever the bean counter is, and I will have to talk about who is playing that role in the social world for companies. Uh, it, it gives time. Time, time, timely feedback, I'm reading my notes here, to reinforce what's working versus what can be improved or eliminated. So is there a special category in these metrics for, we really messed up, boy, did we get a firestorm on Twitter about this comment or about this sales method or whatever, about this campaign? What's your thought on that? Are you measuring the bad stuff as well as the good? Well, th- this is a two, two-folded question. One, if you focus on the negatives, you'll never do anything. Okay. B, there will be problems along the way. You know what? It's yeah. just going to happen. And it's not so much the problem, it's how we respond to it. If, if, if you think about it, every company at one time or another, every person has, has posted, done something on social media. It's, oh, doggone it. Why did I do that? Okay, we can put all the bumpers in place to try to prevent that. But it's how do we respond to it? How do we, how do we deal with it? Mm-hmm. And in that regard, I want to focus on the positive. I want to, fo- I want to focus on the upside. And really, uh, it comes down to one simple premise we have to keep in mind. What's the values? What's the culture you're trying to create? And if you follow that premise and everybody in the organization believes in it, it's amazing how things do work out. Okay. I like that very much. Thank you very much. Looking forward to a lot more from you during the show. And now let's turn to our third panelist, Marco Kai, Global Head of Social Selling Training and Enablement at SAP. And Marco has found a quote from Albert Einstein. You all know the German-born theoretical physicist who developed the theory of relativity and is known for the most famous formula in the world, E equals MC squared, and his crazy hair as well. And uh, he's found a quote that I don't think I've ever heard before. For Marco and Einstein is very frequently quoted on our show. So bravo to you for finding a new one. This is, well, not new, it's Einstein, but it's new to us. If you want to live a happy life, tie it to a goal 
not to people or things. Marco, welcome back. How have you been? I'm been doing great. Thank you for having me for the third time. I had a great time. We're delighted. Talk to me about the quote. I come a little bit closer to your mic. You sound a little far away. We want to get you a little clearer. So talk to me. What's the quote all about? Yeah, absolutely. Is it better? Yes, it's better. Thank you. Okay, thank you. So I think uh, why I like this quote is that uh, it makes a very intuitive uh, sense for personal life. I, I, uh, you can see that Einstein talking about personal life, but uh, I love this quote. Um, I think it also makes a lot of sense for uh, B2B and social selling. It's like um, for many times as salespeople, we, uh, in, the, in the last past few years when we delivered the training and helping people get speed up to social selling is that uh, sometimes they, they they will constantly reach out to us to say, uh, oh, Marco, this takes so much time. Marco, this uh, uh, seems to be uh, uh, quite time-consuming. Marco, I, I start to think if this is really worthwhile to, uh, for, for me to do. So what do we always come, up, come back? Uh, we will ask them a question. Okay, but do, why do you think you got on board with uh, switch selling for the first time? So we help them to think. Because, okay, they start to realize that the ultimate reason for them to start to embrace social selling is because our customers uh, actually use social media and digital to uh, do business. So that's why you have to move with your customer. And so the goal is, uh, when you remember the goal that uh, is for you to uh, keep in the pace of your customer and to uh, generate business in the digital uh, digital age, then you start to uh, get clear why you're doing this. Uh, why should you spend time on, on this and uh, why you need to learn all about this. So uh, for me, I, I think that it definitely makes a lot of sense that uh, you should always remind people about the, about the reason, about the purpose, about the goal, that's uh, why they're doing anything, in, no matter in their personal life or in the social media, social studying or any business. Uh, so that's why I picked this quote. I definitely absolutely love it. I love it too, Marco, and I'm, I'm going to send it to some friends I know would appreciate it. The idea of tying it to a goal, I think this goes back to so many companies today embracing the P word purpose in addition to the other P word profits because we need a goal. We need a purpose, and hopefully it's one for the greater good. Thank you, Marco, for your very thoughtful response here about your quote. And now let's go back around the table to Scott Santucci. And, Scott, I have two personal questions for you. They're not too personal. They're just personal, that's all. But there were two. I always have to clarify that one, lest anybody say, oh, I'm out of here. I don't want to be on this show. Okay, Scott Santucci, where are you calling from today? And... What's your favorite drink that powers you? And part of that question is, what is the Social Enablement Society? Scott? So I am joining everyone from Leesburg, Virginia. And Leesburg, Virginia is uh, in the northern part of Virginia near Washington, D.C. And it's actually where most of the uh, traditional sales universities were. So Xerox and IBM both had sales universities here in this area. So uh, we're a well-known area for, <laughs> uh, for sales leaders. And what's my drink and what's in, what's in my cup? Well, not what's in my cup right now, but on weekends you'll catch me uh, having an old-fashioned. And I like old-fashioned oh, uh, for a variety of reasons. One is, you know, they're old and simple, but really they're complex. Uh, well, I, obviously I like them, right? But uh, how, they, how they tie into our, our conversation is there's actually – 
it's, it's the same drink. You can order it. But there's really two recipes. There's pre-prohibition, if you know Ooh. about you know, the states and we have prohibition, and post-prohibition recipes. So no one makes it the same way, but you order it the same. And, you know, to piggyback off of, uh, off of Mark and life is like a box of chocolates, so everybody's social <laughs> selling activities or selling activities are different because their customers are unique. And I like the subtlety of having an old-fashioned with some very simple uh, recipes but get combined and they taste uh, very different based on how you put it together. I like that. I'm going to give you the ingredients and you tell me if this sounds right. One and a half ounce of bourbon or rye whiskey. That would make a difference in flavor. Two dashes of Angostura bitters, one sugar cube, a few dashes of plain water. Put the sugar cube in an old-fashioned glass, which is kind of a short glass with a wide top. And saturate with bitters. Add a dash of plain water. Muddle until dissolved. Fill the glass with ice cubes and add the whiskey. Garnish with an orange slice and a cocktail cherry served on the rocks pour or poured over ice. So is that the right recipe, sir? Well, it is. That's a post, um, post-prohibition recipe. Okay. And the reason is, is it has the extra fruit in there to deal with the gross uh, liquor that people would have. Before <laughs> prohibition, you'd have, less of the, you'd have less of the orange and the, and the muddled cherry. Just and I have what, one, one more comment for you. This is from SeriousEats.com. The Old Fashioned is one of the most venerable of cocktails, predating not only the motor car, but the presidency of Abraham Lincoln. Properly made, it's strong but not too strong, sweet but not too sweet, and most importantly, it's dead simple and absolutely delicious. Do you like that one, Scott? I love it. Okay. <laughs> There you go. That's on. Just look up old fashioned cocktail and it's under serious eats one word dot com slash recipes. I think you'll enjoy that. Thank you very much. I told you I'm fast on the look up here. And now, Mr. Mark Hunter, I'd love to know the same from you. Where are you located? And tell me a little bit about your books, high profit prospecting and high profit selling. I love the high dash profit in there in both titles. And what do you love to drink? Yeah, I'm calling in this morning from Omaha, Nebraska. I'm actually home today. I, I, I travel about 250 days a year, but this happens to be one of them. I'm in actually town. And, of course, you probably recognize the name. It's the home of Warren Buffett. He and I are neighbors. But then again, the town's so small that everyone's a neighbor of Warren Buffett. So anyway, anyway. Uh, you know, the, uh, the book, High Profit Selling, High Profit Prospecting. first book was High Profit Selling. I came out with it to really help people close deals at full price. Uh, problem was people were starting off with the wrong prospects. There's a line I like to use. You mm. can't take a Walmart shopper and make them a Nordstrom customer. It just doesn't work. Mm. If you start mm. off with the right prospect, it's amazing how you can close more deals at full price and actually do it faster. So that's what led me to really write the second book, High Profit Prospecting. And um, yeah, it's been cool. And hey, what am I drinking this morning? Yes. Well, I'll tell you what, I was just down. Or later, I, or I, later. It, it could be alcoholic for later. I'm going to give you that open. Well, well you know what? My, my, my drink of choice, 24-7, and Scott's been around me enough to know, it is coffee. It is coffee. I, I, was, I was just down in Bogota, Colombia about three weeks ago, speaking at a conference, and uh, loaded up on uh, some beans, a dark Colombian bean and uh, found it at a little uh, uh, obscure coffee shop. I couldn't even tell you um, mm. all the writing on the bag, but because uh, it's in <laughs> Spanish, but it's a dark Colombian bean. And I'll tell you what, that's what I am drinking right now. And, and I'm on my second pot. And it's oh, only, wow. And it's only 9.22 a.m. 
But hey, we'll oh. make three pots today. Yeah. Now, question, do you drink at what we used to call high test? Remember, in the, in the old days, you'd pull up to the gas station. There was no self-service oh. at the U.S. gas station. And you'd say, fill it up high test, meaning the highest octane gas at oh. the highest octane oh, pump. So how, how do you take your coffee? Yes, I, I, I drink it black, and I drink it with pure caffeine. Uh, <laughs> it's one of the reasons I do not like traveling in some other countries. I, I travel outside the U.S. a lot. And, and, and they give you these little, oh, let me give you this little tin shot. Just pour it, baby. Pour it tall. Pour it big. Pour it now. Um, I consume it all. I love it. I took a vacation to Cancun to Club Med many, many, many years ago, Mark. In the dead of winter, I had to fly from Eugene, Oregon, through San Francisco, down to somewhere in Texas in a windstorm and landed in Cancun, and the trees were blowing sideways. And I discovered that the Cancun coffee they were serving by the pot at Club Med was full calf, and it was like mud and cocoa. And I went through at least a pot of it every single morning when I was there on vacation for a week. And it was... Oh, the kind of coffee you want to remember forever. So I'm, I agree with you, but I have my own story in a minute. Thank you, Mark. Very colorful there. And Marco Kai, where are you today, Marco? And what do you love to drink? What powers you? Yes, this, so I'm, I'm, I'm calling from Beijing, but hopefully next summer we come uh, calling from Paris. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I'm in the middle of a, a vacation. Uh, in terms of drink, I have to confession, confess that uh, I'm not that loyal to a certain kind of drink. Uh, I have a favorite, different favorite drinks uh, in different time frames. For example, in the past two years, I just fall in love with uh, Malaysia white coffee. So something similar to Mark. And uh, if you haven't tried that, just definitely try it. It's probably a very, very good coffee. But the bad thing is that I couldn't stop uh, drinking about it, and I <laughs> I gained um, something like 30 pounds uh, in just one year, and uh, <laughs> I, I discovered that I have some heart problems. So now I oh, might no. um, drink. <laughs> yes, I and now I used to have a, an eight pack of eggs, but now I have a big belly and like a, a mushroom <laughs> and the sort of thing that. Uh, so I, I also discovered that I had some heart problems, so I switched uh, drink to Wulong, which um, something you probably, many of you won't like in the first place, but after uh, trying that for half a year, I just, uh, you know, it definitely could become my favorite. So now I have a Wulong tea in my, in my cup, and it does help to help you to get healthier and uh, lose some weight. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Thank you, Mark. <laughs> I, I used <laughs> I to say that this portion yeah. of the show, I'm addressing this to all three, I used to say this portion of the show was called True Confessions with Game Changers. <laughs> I, I think the three of you have proven that. <laughs> and I'm, go I'm going to, Marco, thank you, and I'm going to, uh, and Marco, by the way, what time is it there in Beijing? Because it's uh, 1025 here in on the east coast of the U.S. So what time is it there? I think uh, we are 12 hours. Hours are ahead of you, so it's uh, 10 10:30 in the in the night. Well, thank you very much for agreeing to be on. That's a little bit of a stretch time-wise, but I know we're all global, so that's the way it goes. Gentlemen, they do not let me anywhere near caffeine on radio show days. Mark, I'm addressing this to you in particular, so all I'm allowed to have is water. I have my cool, clear mug. Marco remembers I, I only drink a water with a colorful straw. I have a yellow straw because, damn, the sunshine is just not here. I'm in Durham, North Carolina now. And we had a tornado watch for more than eight hours on Sunday, and we didn't get the tornado, thank goodness, but we got heavy rain, we got wind, we got... 
thunderstorms. We got crackling lightning that came right through the windows, and this lasted until after midnight, and then the wind kicked in again at 4 in the morning. It was a brutal day. But I didn't have any wow. coffee that day because I was jumpy enough from the weather watching it outside <laughs> my house. So I'm drinking my water, and I'm very happy to have a cool, clear head here while I'm talking to three very interesting gentlemen, all experts in social selling, and we're talking today about metrics, the social seller's playbook, making it count. We're going to take a very brief break, 90 seconds. You can count them along with us. We'll be right back, and we're going to start the roundtable in earnest, quote-unquote, with Scott Santucci at Social Enablement Society, and we're going to talk about how do you measure all this stuff that's swirling around, even if you're not the bean counter in your company? How do you get it right so that the naysayers, the laggards, the derogateurs, excuse my accent, say, what are we doing social selling for? It's all a pile of you-know-what. You can justify it and make it work for you. So stay tuned. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. You know the drill. Aaron out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Social media is taking sales organizations by storm. And only those who adapt quickly into the new digital world will be around in the future. Social selling is a concept that has implications to all lines of business. From building the fundamentals in the sales process and getting the content marketing mix right, to building cross-functional teams and ultimately changing the way buyers and sellers engage in a digital world. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how social selling is changing the world of business. Changing the Game with Social Selling is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Changing the Game with Social Selling, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to changing the game with social selling. Yes, indeed. Here we are. We are talking about how do you measure all this stuff called social selling? You got to come on. You got to have a way to prove that it's a value, to get it, to leverage it, to make it work for your company, for your customers, for your prospects, for your industry, everything. We're in the age of social selling. If you don't believe it, get over it. My special panelists are Scott Santucci at the Social Enablement Society, Mark Hunter, the sales hunter. Yes, he is. And Marco Kai at SAP. We're going to kick off the roundtable formally here with some comments Scott Santucci sent me before the show. This is an interesting one. Scott says, and I quote, we are spending way too much time talking about activities and supposed best practices in sales and marketing today, but we're not talking about results. Scott, expand this and tell us how does standardized measurement come into this? So let me uh, take a step back, right? So there's uh, a couple of beliefs. So a lot of people believe, and they tend to be less salespeople, uh, that our salespeople need to have more and more activity. 
And what happens then is a whole bunch of people create things that salespeople can do activity for. That activity might be more training. That activity might be more cold calls. Activity, activity, activity. The difficulty is activity without a purpose or a goal, to, uh, to piggyback on what Marco said earlier, is kind of worthless. It's actually noise. So the, the first goal should be, what are our objectives? And I like to work backwards from uh, basically five, five objectives. So Mark mentioned, after he wrote his book, he realized, heck, we're not even calling on the right people. So who is it that we're trying to communicate in the first place for our products and services? Very few people or very few companies that I know actually identify this is who our wallet owner is or the person that mm-hmm. we're trying to communicate with. And a salesperson is, as we know, a individual conversation is very different than a market conversation. Then the next question is, so how do we go about getting access? There's a variety of ways that we can use social networking to get access or, or connect with folks. Many, 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 many different strategies. Uh, the issue is, how do we start talking about what those strategies are and sharing them across with other salespeople? If we just talk about the activity, like post something on, on your LinkedIn profile or, or, or make a tweet or link to something, it's very passive. What's the goal? How, are, how do we do that? And there's many strategies that are emerging, but we need a bucket or a container to, to look at that. So we measure whether we get access. The next one is how do we have successful meetings or share the results of those meetings? Oftentimes today, if we go to talk to a, if a salesperson is trying to have a conversation with an executive, most of the time, they need to get buy-in from other people. They either need to get buy-in from other, uh, other peers to get budget, or they need to get buy-in from their people in order to drive change. So how do you frame or use uh, all of these um, social media and, and digital assets to help, help do that? Mm-hmm. Finally, when you are not finally, then the next thing is we've got to be able to create a shared vision of success. Uh, that particular executive is never going to move forward with you um, unless, the team buys in. And there's a whole bunch of resistance, as we all know, to change. And most yep. of the things that we're selling today are, are change-oriented. So what can you do? How can you leverage social media to help gain buy-in? And then finally, how do you build consensus around a business case? So there's a social media objective or activity, but if we're just measuring the activities and we're not rolling them up back to some verifiable, measurable activity, it's all for naught. And in my experience today, what we're doing is we're overwhelming uh, our sales forces with way, way, way too many prescribed activities, and we're making the false assumption, uh, the false positive that activity equals results when results equal results. And if we can be a lot more goal-oriented in how we go about doing it, then we can simplify everything and create uh, more tactics of what works rather than uh, prescribed best practices from uh, folks out there that might not have made it work. They're just an expert on using the technology. Thank you. Very interesting, Scott, and interesting how that ties back your final statement there. Mark, I'm going to bring you in a second. It ties back to the Einstein quote Marco shared with us at the beginning of the show. If you want to live a happy life, tie it to a goal, right? I'm not going to mention the rest, not to people or things. And so the parable or the stretch is tie your business, what you're doing in social to goals and things you need to accomplish. Get to the results, not just, oh, we're going to do this. Very interesting. Mark Hunter, love to get your thoughts on what Scott just shared. Please. Yeah, yeah, what Scott said is so real, and and activity does not do anything. 
there's so much of a blur out there. If you think about a lot of what happens out on social media is really nothing more than a lot of advertising. You know, in my own company and every company I always, you know, where did this lead come from? Where did this lead come from? Well, it came from this or came from this. We have it. Did it come from this or this? In other words, this exact post on social media or did it come from this or that? It's probably from a whole combination of things. If you think about it, uh, a lot of your consumer packaged goods brands, they advertise on hundreds of billboards, hundreds of advertisements and so forth. Was it any one ad that pulled the consumer in to buy the product or was it a multitude? It's probably a multitude. Uh, a real key measurement that I always look for and it's something that I've always said is that I want my online connections to create offline conversations. In other words, if I can't stream this all the way through to see that I'm getting results, just as what Scott was talking about, results, am I getting business as a result of activity I am doing on social media? It's something I measure in my own company. And I know Scott and the Sales Enablement Society is, is all over this. Uh, SAP does it. You know, it, it, it. How do we measure it? Online connections must ultimately create offline conversations, because that's where you really close the deal. And offline doesn't necessarily have to mean, oh, is it not on social media? No, it can still be on social media, but it's a, it's a one-to-one conversation through messaging and so forth. But offline, it's one-to-one. That's what sales is all about. It's people-to-people. Thank you very much. Very mm-hmm. well put. And Marco Kai, we'd love to get your thoughts as well on what Scott said and or the commentary added by Mr. Mark Hunter. Marco, go Well, ahead. I definitely echo everything that uh, uh, Scott and uh, Mark, uh, Mark said. Uh, I think the thing here is that uh, uh, we always find either people what, uh, were doing such selling without thinking about what's the measurement, how to, how to measure success, or... In some other extreme cases, they actually measure uh, using the wrong index. For example, just uh, as Scott mentioned, that people uh, try to measure if they're suggesting success by the number of activities. So that's that's not good. So to me, uh, it's it's equally, if not important, to have a right KPI or metrics set up for suggesting. For example, we all know that's. Uh, SSI, which stands for Suggestion Index, is basically the score between uh, 0 to 100. Uh, it is supposed to be higher that your suggesting activity are more um, uh, successful. But, for example, uh, everyone knows that uh, there are actually four categories contributed to your SSI, right? And uh, mm-hmm. what we discovered that uh, in, a, in, a, uh, in our training, uh, if you are one of these salespeople, you will um, use so much more uh, suggesting to search for the white space, new customers, and reach out to uh, the new prospects. So that will contribute to one category of uh, SSI calculation. But if you are account executive, for example, you have fixed account, you don't care about uh, reaching out to new people. You don't care about uh, expanding your, your network to, to white space. So uh, if we are measuring this, uh, the search at the same standard, so that could be disaster because... Uh, uh, you will see that uh, the account, account executives, their SSI for searching for people will be so low. So you, are you going to ch- challenge them? They will come back to you and say, okay, then I, I, I quit social sending because it's not helping. So instead, you should ask uh, the, the account executive who have fixed account to, to um, look after, look, um, take care of uh, another category of, of their SSI, which is uh, building a relationship with uh, a decent making maker and uh, uh, sharing more insightful content to increase your uh, scores on, on that part. So my point is that just like uh, uh, Scott and uh, Mark said, 
uh, it's very important to think uh, through, think clear what kind of KPI, uh, how to measure uh, your social spending activity. Uh, it, it could be equally bad uh, uh, as you don't have KPI at all if you have a wrong KPI. So uh, that's what I want to just add up. Thank you, Marco. All good points. We're certainly building a case for a measurement and for goal-oriented social selling, not just, okay, everybody go out and tweet today. Okay, sorry about that. Uh, Scott Santucci, I'm going to give you just a moment here to wrap this one up because I have a couple of statements here from Mark Hunter before the show, and I want to hit hit those hard and see where we're going to go with this. So, Scott, anything you'd like to say? Sure. Uh, so I think, number one, we don't use a whole bunch of technical metrics around phones. We just incorporate it to the way that we sell because it's a way to connect with other human beings. I really like how uh, Mark framed it out is that we have a tendency to look at uh, um, social through the lens of advertising, promotion. Um, But to, to piggyback off of what Marco said in terms of goals, so the Sales Enablement Society is a nonprofit organization. We, we have literally no budget, and we grew from zero chapters in one year to 45 chapters in 14 countries, 100% using social media. But the goal of our social media programs was try to drive engagement. So when you look at engagement, there's a whole bunch of activities that, that you look at, and the metrics that you look at are subsets of, hey, are, are, are people aware of what we're accomplishing? This, the next thing is, are they actually taking action? And then the third thing is, are they uh, taking action on the, the result that we want? The effort to create the kind of structure and discipline to work backwards from those simple goals is tremendous, and it takes a whole heck of a lot of patience uh, to stick to that mm-hmm. because it's so easy to get distracted by yet a new, new metric about some sort of activity. So I think the, the, the key part is, if we look at social selling or social media as advertising and we're trying to do CPMs and all these other metrics to compare against other advertising medium, I think what we're doing is we're making it way too overwhelming to incorporate as a engagement tool and a way to get uh, conversations going and interactions going. So I think that there's a lot of proof in the pudding. It's just very Mm -hmm. difficult to organize and communicate those metrics Uh, because people want to zoom in on the advertising metrics uh, and not click back up and say, why are we doing this in the first place? And, and Scott, isn't there a level, just a, a quick answer, is there a level of excitement in all of this? Companies coming on board, training. I know Marco's in, involved with enablement of social selling at SAP. Isn't there a sense of excitement? Wow, I'm on Twitter. Wow, I'm on Facebook. I'm representing the company. Wow, 20,000 people watched my, my little two-minute video or clicked like on my tweet or forwarded or retweeted or whatever. Isn't there, Just a quick yes or no. Is there a level of excitement and being part of something that drives some of this activity? Activity rather than results-oriented? Quick, what do you think? Uh, I can't just give a yes or no without some context. So I'd, I'd say yes <laughs> and no. So I'll try to be as brief as possible. Go ahead. On the yes yeah. side, the people who engage with very active language and inclusive language, they get excited. The people who try to engage in a promotional way don't okay. because no one yep. responds to them. And then, uh, unfortunately, the no is far greater than the, than the yes. In any population, you'll get about, um, and, and I see this in terms of the society, we're advocating our members to, to use it. We're trying to teach them how to do it, but the overwhelming majority are very scared to do it in the first place 
because they don't know how, and it's too complicated and all these other, uh, other factors. So I think we have a, a yes, and in the yes category, it's the people who engage it in a very active, engaging way. Uh, and then the no is there's a giant fear factor because, you know, let's face it, the fear of the unknown is something that uh, people are more scared of than death. Very, very well put. We're going to end it right there. Thank you very much. Mark Hunter, I have so many quotable moments here in your statements. Just allow me to read a couple, and then I'll, I'll hone in on one I'd like you to start as a conversation thread. Uh, number one, Mark Hunter says, you can't take clicks and likes to the bank. They might stroke our social media ego, but they don't put food on the table. Love that one. We have to embroider that on a pillow, Mark, and sell it. It's really good. Number two, Mark says, there's a rush to do stuff to be all things to all people on social media. The thinking is, and this goes with what I just said to Scott, the more we're on social media posting content and everything, the more business we'll create. Here's the third one. The average person will spend nearly two hours, that's 116 minutes, on social media every day, which translates to five years and four months spent over an average lifetime. I'll just leave those factoids there. Now, here's where I want you to go, Mark. You say social media in and of itself is not a solution to prospecting. Mark, any or all of the above, give us about two minutes of your thoughts, please. Well, it's not the end all. It is one of the tools in the toolbox. We have to view social media in the context of everything else. If, Mm -hmm. If we just throw stuff out there. All we're doing is spraying and praying. I mean, that's not going to get us anywhere at all. It's really about how do we create a persona about who we are, about who our company is. And what are, what are we posting? What are we sharing? Because that's another critical thing. There's a lot of people out there that believe social media is all about just posting, posting, just push stuff out, push stuff out. Well, I'll tell you what, that gets pretty one-sided pretty quickly. Social media, social selling is about engagement. It's about having those robust online conversations. It's sharing other people's content. It's, it's engaging with other people. And it's not just always jumping up with, oh, 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 I have the answer. No, it's not. Everybody's allowed to have their own opinion. Embrace other people's opinions. I've been able to, over the years, develop quite a large following. And yeah, I I do a fair amount of posting. But at the end of the day, it's what do people think about me? What do people think about my company? That's what we really have to be concerned with. And, And in the end, social media is really no different than getting dressed in the morning. We we all got dressed this morning. We all put on clothes, which represent us. Our social media platform is really clothes that represent us in a digital world. Wow, that's provocative. I wasn't I wasn't counting on that. Very interesting. Our social media platform is the clothes that represent us in the world. I have to tweet that. I'm posting content, Mark. I am posting content as I love we speak. It. I love here. it. I love it. Good. <laughs> Thank you very much. Marco, yep. why don't you comment before that's I forget me. the comment? Marco, what do you think? Well, I think uh, that it is to be what we have been trying or we have learned in the past is that, uh, okay, so you're selling sounds intuitively something for salespeople. But even for salespeople, there are so many different kinds of salespeople. And uh, what we have been trying to push to is that social selling doesn't only bring value to sales, but to, to actually to any professional that work at a, a business. For example, marketing, inside marketing, 
or um, sometimes we, we have another program for SAP executives that helping them to uh, become a SAP brand ambassador by using the applying the social selling techniques. So what we learned is that uh, when you set up the, how to measure how successful you are doing at social selling, you have to bear in mind the different uh, um, expectation or the scenario that you are using social media, uh, social selling to help with your own uh, purpose. So, for example, uh, of course, that uh, you ultimately, ultimately um, at the end of the day, you are going to measure, uh, because you are putting so much money to buy the tools and uh, invest on people to train them, so you want to measure how this actually return in, in ROI, what we call the, the business pipeline and revenue in, in real money, right? But in the, in the meantime, that it's very important for you to bear in mind the different roles of the people that are trained, the different uh, kind of people that are using social, social selling. For example, we, uh, we, we are measuring our executives by uh, the post, the sharing, how, um, the growth of their network and the quality of the network. But when it comes to marketing, we will measure in something like uh, impression, just like Mark um, mentioned, like advertising impression, how many people click, and uh, how many... Uh, how many engagement rates and uh, uh, different and salespeople, of course, uh, like, like how many uh, new customers you find. And if you are uh, a top account, then um, maybe we measure in the speed of uh, you, you, you generate a pipeline and win a customer, uh, the closer deal um, uh, with and without social selling, uh, the help of social selling. So uh, my point is that uh, we have to bear in mind that uh, when when talk about social selling in different scenarios, the the, uh, the measurement, the performance measurement could be vary a lot. Um, so that's very important to bear in mind what what's the original goal and uh, what is the best uh, metrics attached to that. Thank you very much, Scott Santucci. I'm circling around the table toward you. What do you think? A lot of interesting thoughts here. Go ahead. It, right. I, what I want to do is I want to combine uh, two parts, right? So mm-hmm. this is, this is where, really where the rubber meets the road. Inside a company, you're not really permitted to do anything unless there's some sort of measurable result, right? And no matter who you are, whether you're a product marketer, uh, a, a product evangelist, a sales specialist, uh, a brander, whomever, um, you need to show, you, you feel like you need to show activity, so, you know, you move, uh, you move into social selling, you want to attract those activities. But let's flip it around to what Mark said. Mark, Mark talked about it in a very human way. Mark and I are, you know, pretty good friends now. This time last year, I didn't know him. And the way that we're connected is through social media. So, there's connections, other people connected to us, other people who knew us said, hey, you guys need to talk. Gerhard, uh, who's the, uh, the publisher of Selling Power, put us together like on the spot, didn't he, Mark? Right? Like literally on yes, the spot on a, web, web, a webcast, and then we just started connecting. So there was really no formal introduction or anything like that. We just sort of knew each other. And it's pretty easy for me to know where he's going because I've followed him. I know what his, uh, his perspective is. He got, we were at a conference. He gave me his book. I read his book. So I know a lot about where he's coming from, and it makes it very easy for me to follow along. And that's a very human element of that. Without that piece, without that trust piece and that development of the human part, all of these connections wouldn't matter. So I think what we need to be able to do is we need to be, when we design our strategies, make sure that we're really clear first and use common sense 
on what the human element is and then think through what are all the tactics that we have available? Because in the relationship that Mark and I built, there's Twitter involved, there's LinkedIn involved, there's Zoom involved, there's um, conferences involved, there's uh, uh, replay of video involved, there's email exchanges involved. There's a whole slew of technical devices that if somebody was owning each individual one of those would only get an incomplete picture of. So I think it's really important that we blend the human, authentic, human-to-human connection and pick that goal and then work backwards from saying, here are all the technologies, and then backwards from there, what all the tactics might look like to inform what's a measurable result. Thank you very much. Mark Hunter, I'm going to give you just 30 seconds to wrap this one up because we're literally at our crystal ball predictions round, and I want to read just one or two statements from Marco's list that he prepared for me before the show. So, Mark Hunter, any quick thoughts to wrap that up? Yes, quick word, Scott said, trust. That's what social media really has to do. It has to create trust at every level. That's how you really create those those connections, those relationships that move offline, move online, downline, upline. It's all about trust. Thank you. And knowing all the directions you can move that trust, I appreciate that. Very important word, and we probably should have introduced that way earlier in the show. Marco Kai, I'm just going to read a couple of statements here. Uh, I know you're a big believer in KPIs, and you mentioned it earlier. You say uh, KPI metric tracking helps to reveal the strengths and weaknesses of any plan. Management can fill in the gaps, yes, with new tools, training, and solutions, and that's what you do. Enablement, social selling strategy without KPI setting cannot be good. However, one with the wrong KPI metrics could be worse. Marco, I think that's a, a topic for part two. Gentlemen, before we do predictions, I'm going to predict that I'm going to invite you all to come back and do part two of this topic on my flagship show, Coffee Break with Game Traders, and I'm going to predict you're all going to say yes. Scott, will you say yes? Yes. <laughs> Mark, will you say yeah. yes? Yes. <laughs> Marco, will you say yes? Why you ask yes? Oh, you're sweet. He's such a dear. See, I had a prediction and it came true already. Am I good or what? Scott Santucci, Social Enablement Society. We've got 60 seconds earmarked for you. Just 60. Why don't you tell us what's going to happen? You can go anywhere between 2020 and 2025. What's going to happen to this topic, this thing we're grappling with on how to do social selling right and make it results-oriented for your organization? Scott, 60 seconds. Go. So here are, the, here are the forecasts. So in the, in the crystal ball, what's going to happen? So the first thing that's going to happen is we're going to stop talking about social selling. We're going we're to move into a world where we embrace digital technology to transform how we do sales and marketing. And we're going to look at sales and marketing much more as a value communications process between our company and our, our individual customers than we do today in, in, in silos. What we're going to concentrate on is that this new economy, this new world that we're in, it's much more about what's possible than what our products are. So what I mean by that is here, a very clear example of that is AMC is a movie, movie studios, right? A bunch of movie studios. Right now they're in the process of retooling all of their movie studios to be restaurants. So they are now moving out of the entertainment uh, or out of the movie industry into uh, restaurants. So that's a massive shift. That's happening in all of our industries. So what we're going to do is we're going to move to a world where salespeople are more or less like movie producers telling what success stories look like and helping clients figure out what's possible, helping them figure out what those patterns are, giving them the path to change and helping their teams change and giving them uh, evidence 
uh, in these little digestible chunks, not in these big ROI calculators. So those are the things that are going to happen. They're going to happen fast. Uh, they're going to happen over the next 10 years. And we're going to see a lot of conflict associated with it because we're going to wrestle with uh, roles and responsibilities and budgets. Fine. That's what we'll talk about on part two. Thank you, Scott. Mark, the sales hunter. Hunter, go ahead, hunter, hunter. It's up to you. 60 seconds. Go ahead and predict. Yes, it's about creating a visual world. We're going to see social media, social selling become far more visual, not only in terms of pictures, but in terms of video and all other formats. That allows us to transcend and cross over language barriers, etc. The other piece is it's going to become much more experiential. It is about how do we create an experience? How do we create that true authenticity and transparency? And I think when you combine visual with experience, that's going to allow us to be much more, much more um, transparent and in turn create authenticity. Thank you. All good words, transparency and authenticity. Thank you, Mark Hunter. And Marco Kai, I saved exactly 60 seconds for your prediction. Go ahead, Marco. Yeah, sure. So I think social selling uh, is going to continue to be something that uh, salespeople or any professional want to be uh, successful in the digital age as long as our customer continue to uh, uh, proactive, uh, be actively uh, living in the digital world. So it's going to continue to grow. But in the meantime, social selling is not going to be the same. It's, it's evolving. Uh, for example, there are uh, there are new technologies, there are new tools, new platform wherever our customers are moving. For example, uh, the short video uh, in the past two years become uh, some something phenomena. So that's why we uh, in last year we start uh, acquired a new um, tool that enable our social sellers to generate the video very easily and uh, on brand to engage better engage our customer. So uh, I think selling is going to um, evolve and going to change. It's going to be really exciting. And in the, in the meantime, uh, speaking from a business point of view, that uh, uh, we do suffer, we do struggle to uh, a lot in the past uh, few years, how to uh, actually link social selling performance to uh, actually business return. For example, uh, the, the people at the time, the investor on social selling, uh, how can we track how many of the, the efforts actually uh, turn into customer wins and the revenue and pipeline? So I think another thing that happen, will happen to search selling is that more and more enterprise and as well as uh, linking and uh, agencies will work together to uh, enable automatic uh, tracking of a social selling activity to, um, to find a business, uh, business impact. So this is my uh, prediction. Thank you very much. Great prediction. Mark Kai, Mark Hunter, I'm going backwards here, Scott Santucci. Thank you, the three of you. What interesting insights, great focus. You're all so incredibly prepared and very, very savvy. I learned a lot, and I know our listeners did too. I will be back tomorrow morning on Coffee Break with Game Changers. I don't even know what the topic is. We do 48 live episodes a year, and it's just going to be something really interesting. So take your coffee break with me, 11 a.m., right here on the Business Channel. So let's do a shout out to Aaron, our intrepid engineer at World Talk Radio, the Business Channel. Thank you, Aaron, for always being there. And if you tune into the Business Channel in one hour at noon Eastern, you will hear a replay of the first episode we did on the future of work, talking about the multi-generational workforce. Are they embracing cooperation or are they challenging each other? What's going to happen? Bonnie D. Graham signing off. And here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What is 
in the world are you waiting for? Already, go out. Be a game changer today, just like Scott Santucci, just like Mark Hunter, and just like Mark Okai. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Changing the Game with Social Selling, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.